Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at RedtailTalk90. My co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade. You can find me most places on the internet at jade.sotrose, including Twitter. I am still there, um, and I use they, them pronouns. We'll be making our way through the books, one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Uh, today, we are talking about number 43, The Test, which is a Tobias book. It's our first Tobias book since he was tortured. Um, that shows up. <laughs> to say one might least. say so far as to say it is a theme of the book. <laughs> Um, oh. <laughs> uh, before we get into it, because there's a lot in this book, um, some book-specific content warnings, uh, Tobias is very much dealing with PTSD from his experience. Uh, this especially includes things like flashbacks, um, and, uh, uh, it's not like auditory hallucinations, but kind of reliving it in the back of his mind as he goes through. Like, mm. it's not a, it's not a full, fl it's like a partial flashback, I guess. Um, mm. Intrusive thoughts. There we go. Um, uh, it also deals with taxons and how people treat the taxons. So, you know, it's not great. Um, it is very slightly more nuanced than in other books in the fact that you know, they feature as uh, nuanced is not the right word. They they feature um, their hell hunger also features. Yeah, I was gonna say we'll get we'll get into it. Like for all the the way the taxons are talked about in this book, the actual experiences we see is probably the most nuanced we've yeah. seen the taxons written. Yeah, since we were on. The home world in the Andalite Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um also uh Taylor comes back. So uh the return of an abuser, having to interact with your abuser again. Torturer in this case. Um and also uh, sort of like the complicated feelings and relationships one yes. can have towards um an abuser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and also discussions of attempted genocide. Attempted genocide? Mm hmm There's a lot of talk of blowing up the Yerk pool. Um, mm. it does, it does feature in, like, a discussion about it. Mm. But it's uh, not blasé. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's also a couple of brief moments of, um, suicidal ideation. We won't necessarily linger on them as part of the analysis. And there's, not direct, but a sort of indirect victim blaming. Uh, to mm. be clear, this is Tobias giving himself a hard time mm -hmm. and Taylor doing so. None of the other Animorphs are here acting like it was Tobias's fault. <laughs> uh, he sure does. Yeah. Uh, and thinks less of himself for it. But if that's, uh, something that you're sensitive to, this may be an episode to, uh, give a miss. Mm -hmm. Just because mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot. Our, our boy is not dealing with things well, as one might be expected not to. 
Not mm-hmm. a whole lot of therapy going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Handling things as best he can, but poorly. <laughs> yeah. His best is not great. <laughs> no. Uh, my poor boy. Um, this book was ghostwritten by Ellen Giroux. Shout out to Ellen Giroux. Uh, who wrote the last Tobias book. Um, as well as, she wrote another one in the middle. I don't remember what, which one it was. We didn't like that one as much, I remember. Right, yeah. Um, but this um, one bangs. Yeah, this is the, this is like, finally, <laughs> I, I realized this and I realized I had to say, despite the presence of taxons, to the point like, they're on the cover, but finally some good fucking food. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it's, it's good to have, uh, a book that, handles the characters and characterization of everybody with mm-hmm. such care and nuance and also a plot that is compelling and well told. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. We dig it. We dig it. Ha. Ha 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 ha. Ah, see, another gag. This is very <laughs> axe of us right now. Also <laughs> great in this book <laughs> he is like i love everybody him. there are lots of good moments from a lot of people uh in this. it's got some great cassie stuff some really interesting stuff with jake mm-hmm. and marco uh rachel tends to be very good in tobias books as well but uh getting to see axe being funny mm-hmm. is a way and not the subject mm-hmm. so the mm-hmm. object of the humor is very fun and refreshing. And uh I just love him as a character a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Um and he's just great in this book. He's very good. We'll happily expound on that as and when we uh encounter mm-hmm. uh, bits of him. That sounded worse than I meant it to. Bits of his perspect uh his uh <laughs> presence in the narrative. There we go. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, Okay, so that's uh the book starts uh with Tobias looking for food before a storm uh there's a bad storm moving in uh the kind that you know makes it look dark at three p m kind of deal um and uh he catches some food you know there's there's the standard like don't worry, I'm part human, part bird. I kind of just deal with this now. Um, uh, I will give a a shout out to the description. Mm-hmm. I won't necessarily share it for you listeners, um, but where Tobias <laughs> tries to convey to the reader what it's like mm-hmm, to ripping mm-hmm. apart something that was once mm-hmm. living. And I was like, hmm, visceral. Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But as we've come to suspect, uh, expect in Tobias, uh, books, there is this duality here. Um, but what's interesting about this is he's always, or up to this point, there's always been this dichotomy of I am bird, I am hawk. Mm-hmm. Now he sort of almost talks about them as separate things. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense on the back of the torture. Mm-hmm. that we saw because of how he was having to protect himself mm-hmm. 
and the way he now sort of compartmentalizes like they're symbiotic human and hawk but he very much seems to talk about them in different ways now Mm -hmm. which becomes interesting because as we mentioned he's having these sort of auditory flashbacks and one of the things that a phrase that keeps coming up again is when taylor called him a vile little bird and the fact that it's fixated on that Mm -hmm. i can see that being another reason why he's sort of continuing this separation of self Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh we get the uh wonderful little detail uh i don't think about the kill anymore i'm hawk and human i'll explain later just try to understand that the hawk must feed the human it has to happen i don't think about it anymore that's a lie yeah, we got a comment um, in the Discord server from Shrug, uh, and we'll sort of maybe unpack a little bit as we go, about Tobias as unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, this sort of, he has this self-awareness, like he wants the reader to know that he's an unreliable narrator, mm-hmm. which is super interesting and also entirely fitting, because Tobias doesn't buy into his own bullshit. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, because he's so introspective, he doesn't, I suppose, and to be upsetting about it, and hey, that's what we do here, <laughs> he thinks so little of himself, he doesn't want the reader to think better of him than he is either. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. like, let me dissuade you about thinking that I'm like a good person. I'm not a good person. And I'm here like, baby. <laughs> You're a, you're a child who had a very horrible thing done to you. Please be yep. nice to yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. And to be fair, as the books go on, they're all doing this. Like, the mm-hmm. amounts of self-loathing are increasing. Mm-hmm. Understandably, because they're going through repeated levels of trauma. Like, we get some good stuff with Rachel in that regard in this book. Mm-hmm. And it's the understanding that these children have about how they are changing and not liking what they see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And therein is like obviously part of the tragedy of it all. Mm-hmm. We've talked before in the not great Rachel book about the nature of uh, destiny and things being your undoing. Mm-hmm. And the inability to get off a road when you can see where it's going. Mm-hmm. So, I know, I'm just very sad <laughs> about these yeah. children. Funnily yeah. enough. Um, yeah. But uh, we get a break from um, Toaz's reverie as he starts having one of these auditory flashbacks. I don't know if that is the correct term, but that feels like the most concise way to talk about what mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get like the, he describes her vo- Taylor's voice as brute screeching and bruising his ears. Mm-hmm. Um, every time he has to kill something and also other times, <laughs> um, you know, just all the time. And after it's the impression is given that it's been a little while since that happened. Mm-hmm. We don't get an exact 
or even an inexact time frame. But Tobias clearly thinks it's been long enough that he shouldn't be still dealing with yeah. it. Yep. That's um, not how that works. No, that isn't how that works. Um, but hey, you know what's really good for breaking through uh, thought spirals? The arrival of a helicopter. <laughs> Scattering the local wildlife. Um, get the quick observation that if Tobias was a true hawk, he'd also be clearing out, but instead... Um, this is trouble, so he's going towards it. Because mm-hmm. uh, this means that something is happening. And he describes it sort of as like his forest. It's his business to know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, as he sort of flies towards this kerfuffle, he's berating himself for having almost missed this, mm-hmm. uh, this the arrival of this helicopter, uh, because as his friends like to tell him, he's too much in his own head. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of humans in the forest. There's ATVs, there's searchlights, uh, the local wildlife is, is freaking about, freaking out and flicking about. Um, and Tobias lands at a ranger station and there is a woman doing a news report or a live news broadcast. And there is a young boy who is been missing for two days, having wandered away from his family. Uh, during a camping party and one of the key issues that they have with trying to find this little boy is that he's deaf so obviously he can't hear people calling out for him mm-hmm. and so she cut her broadcast cuts um, and with sort of Taylor still whispering in his ears as it were um, Tobias heads towards the storm front um, because it's him actively taking control of a situation mm-hmm. and sort of like, actually, no, fuck it. I can win. I can. And the implication is, is, well, I can find this kid. I might not be able to do that or this. Mm-hmm. I might be, I might not be able to win, but I can save somebody. Yeah. And we get this moment of as he flies into the, into the storm, how it makes him feel like, uh, Lindbergh over the Atlantic. And how he gets to feel heroic and fearless and strong, even if just for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, go on. We get uh, some on point. Uh, it's it's very interesting that uh, Tobias he muses here on torture and like what it does to a person. And it's very, it speaks to me the way that he's like, yes, clinically, this is the facts about torture and how it fucks you the fuck up. Uh, I, however, should be over this by now. It's very much the (laughs) behaviors that you excuse in others, but just like, it's absolutely fine for you to have a breakdown, take Mm -hmm. all the time you need. Mm -hmm. I can't possibly do that, though. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's also like, yes, I know exactly what's wrong, and I know that this is the mechanism by which it works. Uh, I can't do fuck all about it, though. Mm-hmm. Again, and this is one of these things about having such a self-aware and introspective character. We've seen, excuse me, similar sort of trains of thought from Marco. Mm-hmm. Like, the acknowledgement of what's going on and the base, the sort of setting it aside. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. It, well, it's not important. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, 
No. That that's not how that goes. Yeah. But here we are. Uh we we get at this moment the little bit to um book one. Mm-hmm. Um and as well as thinking about the torture, it bring he muses about being back in the yerk pool that first time and about when he became uh an illithip. We get some perspective on the yerks. Um which is gonna be important because we're gonna be talking a lot about what shits as a collective the yerks are. Mm-hmm. Um very visceral. Um but again, the thunder brings most of him back mm-hmm. to the uh, to the present. The rest of him thinking about hiding in the cave of the Yerk pool, uh, trying to figure out a way out. Yep, we get the the continued uh, kind of debate within himself that, like. Something happened in that moment when he heard his friends had gotten out. He hears Rachel asking where he is. Um, and he's just clinging to this rock face, trying to avoid Visser 3. Um, and, you know, wondering how long he'd been in Morph. Has he been, has it been two hours? And his combative feeling on that, like, <laughs> the way he describes it, no, I'd be trapped forever, a bird, independent, free, alone, forever. Um, mm. I- images of the human life I'd led till then flooded my mind. The images were dark. My apathetic aunt, my alcoholic uncle. Then something brighter, something powerful surged through my mind. Something else, shoring me up, drawing me in, a wave of... What? What had I felt then, at that moment, with the seconds ticking down, with the deadline chasing me? Weakness or strength? Which is interesting, uh, because he describes it as this strong, bright feeling. Mm. And, like, still is questioning whether it's weakness or strength. Uh, Mm. And... We get this continued, uh, this here is a theme throughout the book in addition to him dealing with the torture, is this, this idea that the, him getting trapped as a bird was a moment of weakness for him, of avoiding his life, which Hmm. sucked just flat out, um, and him thinking that that is uh like a, a fatal flaw of his that he is that this makes him weak this is evidence of his weakness where taylor is the rest of the evidence of his weakness um and he uses this to beat himself up uh a lot mm-hmm. um and but even though he like that's what he continues to think of himself. This question still keeps coming up until at the end it's resolved in uh 
much more kind to himself manner. Mm. Um, and he's able to take uh some agency back from it. Um, and that gives him strength. It's so interesting. Like we were talking before about his compartmentalization and the way he talks about things. And he has this distressing yet compelling ability to not see the wood for the trees within himself. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, this is as much a product of the abuse he has suffered mm-hmm. before the war as it is the product of being part of this war and being tortured by Taylor. Add to that also, like, the heavy neurodivergent coding mm-hmm. with Tobias and that ability to be very aware and talk very um objectively about something but not being able to quantify it properly or not being able to interpret it correctly mm-hmm. and it's i just i just like no kid you've got it just look can you can you just turn your head a little bit to the left mm-hmm. and look at what you just said mm-hmm. and he can't mm-hmm. because he has been told and internalized that he is weak. Mm-hmm. That, and he sees himself in comparison to the others and the things he can't do. And it's just... I have no words for what it is. I just mm-hmm. look at it and it... Again, this is Tobias's tragedy. Mm-hmm. He has this, I wish I knew more about Arthuriana because this feels like there's maybe some, there's a vibe here. I wish I could put my finger on what it is. Mm. But I suppose this is all like piling on just like the isolation of being the nolith of the group and all the little ways this plays into being the scout, the outsider, the one that has perspective but can't apply it to himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is juxtaposed in the text. Mm. Like, literally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, <laughs> uh, you know, he gets, he, he muses on weakness or strength. Taylor is still whispering in his mind, you won't know who or what you are when I'm done with you. Uh, he turns into the forest to find this lost child. Um, And he says, if you want to find something in the forest, you do well to ask me. There's nothing I don't see. It's like, this kid knows what he's good at. He knows his strengths. Mm -hmm. But they're only strengths so long as he doesn't look directly at them. You know? (laughs) But, and this will, will come up again, the, the voices of our abusers, of 
the negative things that we have heard are always going to ring louder in our heads. Mm-hmm. This is like, this is proven science and it's like survival mm-hmm. mechanisms. Your brain remembers the bad things so it doesn't happen. So you can try and protect yourself from them in the future. That's what they're for. But that's why it's always easier to remember the time you embarrassed yourself or the shitty things somebody said to you rather than the nice things people said. Mm-hmm. Because our brains lock onto them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if Taylor had ragged on his ability to see stuff in the forest, would he be so confident about it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But because that wasn't something that came up, this is a strength that he can take pride in. Mm-hmm. And you can see why, as this leads into the next chapter, uh, spoilers, he finds the kid, um, mm-hmm. but the choices he makes mm-hmm. to find this child and help this child get rescued, dangerous as they are, and we'll get into what exactly that is in just a sec, that need... Even through all of his, like, beating down of himself, this moment of reprieve, like, he knows he needs a win. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a staggering amount of emotional maturity, while at the same time paired with this crushing self-doubt. Mm-hmm. He's such an interesting and well-written character, is the thing. Mm-hmm. And Danielle's like, 20 years later, still talking about it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's all right. He's all right, I guess. <laughs> didn't didn't imprint on me on the slightest and try to recreate him in some form or another with most of my characters that I play anyway. <laughs> cool. Uh-huh. I see we have reached the dragging Danielle portion of our program. <laughs> it's always there. Like an undertow. <laughs> Like, uh-huh. periodically, it'll just surge <laughs> up and wobble on. <laughs> but and you can see why. Because it's yeah. deeply compelling and interesting characterization. Yeah. And incredibly human. Yep. Uh, and incredibly relatable to children who don't think much of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he flies into the rain, and it makes flying hard for him. His visibility is shot because of how dark it is and the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, but he makes the decision, and this is something where only an anamorph could have done this: is mm-hmm. he calls out in thought speak, mm-hmm. um, and he is able to find Bobby McIntyre. Who was, um, got stuck in a sinkhole. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Bobby McIntyre, who just doesn't freak out about the fact that the voice comes out of nowhere that he can hear. Mm-hmm. Um, also shout out to Mr. McIntyre, who, when a hawk shows up, like, I know where your kid is, follow me. It's just like, cool. <laughs> Let's go. I'm Respect. not going to question this. Respect to Mr. McIntyre going, you know what? This is the worst thing that's ever happened. I will take the hawk advice. (laughs) It can't be worse Um, than just sitting here. Yeah. And to be fair, like desperation can lead us to do Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. But it is still an act of faith that McIntyre takes here. 
Yeah. But it, it pays off for him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Tobias, having found the kid, realizing he can't get the kid out of the sinkhole by himself, he's like, all right, well, uh, go back to the search station. Um, and it is, he, he quote, the worst flight of my life. <laughs> um, fighting rain and wind and dead air the entire way. Uh, by the time I reached the ranger station, my body was burning ligaments for fuel, which is just a great race. Yep, visceral um, and upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, but he sees the kid's father sitting outside in the rain. Obviously, like, the the search has had to been cancelled for the evening because of the the storm. Um, and the the dad is feeling very despondent, rightly so. Um, and Tobias just, like, lands in front of him and he's like, listen, I know this is crazy, but I know where your kid is. And the dude's just like, yep, uh-huh, okay. go, lead the way. <laughs> um, Tobias leads the dad to the sinkhole with a couple of other rangers, and they are able to rescue the kid out from uh this it's it's a death trap to be clear the sinkhole is rapidly filling with water and uh the the with the storm he would have drowned um uh but tobias feels uh joy um and strength and you know all of these wonderful emotions at getting this win he so desperately needed like he actually did something measurable that was very good right Mm -hmm. um and he turns to go meet the others because he's he's kind of sort of blown off the others like there's supposed to be Mm -hmm. a meeting at cassie's barn and he instead goes to do this um so he turns to go to meet the others at the barn and immediately gets fucking taken out of the air by a golden eagle. Like. Mm-hmm. This kid can't catch a break. He really can't. You're just like, oh, come on. <laughs> Don't do this. <laughs> um, I mean, God, this is how plot works. Mm-hmm, but. Mm-hmm. Um. But it also like comes into the themes of the book about mm-hmm. hunger and predators and nature. Mm-hmm. So and how Tobias doesn't have the luxury of well, as getting to feel good about himself is the mm-hmm. upsetting truth of the matter here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but also but, just uh, like, the world goes dark. So, yeah, as it's... as it might. He doesn't have the luxury of not being hypervigilant, but Mm -hmm. the problem is that as much as he prides himself on being the the scout, the the person who keeps an eye on things and notices things, one of the big after effects of his torture is just this, he's dissociating a lot of the time in flashbacks, Mm. Um, and he's not present. Um, and he is in his head. We have seen that through the others, um, mm-hmm. that he's just not 
as there. Like, as soon as uh, the mission is over, like, he's checked out. Um, and uh, it is not a good thing for that to be the case when you live in a pl- you live in a world where other things can eat you mm-hmm. um yeah uh but he wakes up and he gets lucky he get he does get lucky um the eagle apparently kind of just hit him and either some people saw this happen and chased the eagle away or uh, the eagle wasn't able to get a good grip on him, and he kind of just fell. Um, and some people find him. They put, they take him to uh, a clinic um, for you know the university, uh, the university veterinary clinic is what it is. Um, <laughs> he wakes up in a cage, looking at these two very concerned <laughs> vet vets. Um, and they're talking about him, uh, like calling him Superbird and Hero Bird. <laughs> um, and <laughs> this is where he has the moment of uh, being like, "Oh, I fucked up." Yes, because they show him because... a headline. Uh huh. Basically, it's become news that a hawk led a rescue party to find this kid. Uh, and animals acting like weird stuff like this is exactly the sort of thing that's going to draw the Yerk's attention. Mm-hmm. And Tobias is stuck in a cage where anyone could find him. Mm-hmm. Uh. And he's also injured, to be yeah. clear. Mm-hmm. He can't morph them away right now because the two vets are there. Mm-hmm. Um... God, I do love the phrase gentle condescension appropriate for wildlife who can't make it in the wild. Like, mm. damn, Tobias. Tell it like it is. <laughs> uh, um, but, and, and then so Tobias starts catastrophizing. Yeah. And not necessarily incorrectly so. Um, because not only are the vets there, there is clearly cameras in the room, but he's dragged himself into danger, his friends into danger by trying to effectively, as he puts it, by trying to fight Taylor's ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's clearly agitated enough that the vets notice and mm-hmm. they're like, oh, we need to sedate him. And he just calms the fuck down. He's like, no, I don't need to be sedated right now. <laughs> um, because there are two groups he knows it'll take the headline seriously, which is his friends and his enemies. Um, but the, he calms down enough that the vet's like, okay, we can go. Um, they'll see him in the morning. And then we have this little gut punch of a light. And this is throwaway, to be clear. Mm-hmm. We just get, they were going away. They were leaving me here. Why did everyone leave? why and then he just moves on to the next thought and i'm here like (laughs) Mm -hmm. child no yeah uh because being alone in a cage holds 
you know, no significant traumatic memories for him at all, surely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, where he can't morph. Mm-hmm. Can only wait for his friends to find him. Definitely not, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. No, it's all uh, reminiscent of anything. Yeah. At all. Uh-huh. But also underlying there is the fact like, oh, his mother's gone, his father's gone. He's mm-hmm. on his own. He's always mm-hmm. on his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, trauma on trauma on trauma. Yeah. And and he expounds upon it a little bit. They were going home. They had homes to go to. They were leaving me to face my fate alone. Which uh doesn't just apply to these vets either. Mm-hmm. Also applies to all of his friends, except for Axe. Um, which is part of why he bonds so much with Axe. But even then, there's the distance of like, well, Axe is still, you know, in his own body. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and as much as Tobias finds a lot of freedom in being a hawk, there's also obviously a lot of um there isn't like an antithesis word for freedom, is there? I mean, other than captivity, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not the right thing for this moment. Mm-hmm. Um. But all he can do is wait. Alone. In the dark. Uh mm. the Yurks find him first. Uh mm-hmm. A bunch of horses here, This action scene is tight. It is. Like, this is great. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of Hork-Bajir <laughs> just burn through the door, uh, charge in, uh, disintegrate the, vi- the video cameras, um, and immediately lock on to where he is in his cage. Um... Bless him, he tries to hide, like, his distinct feathers, but they know yeah. who they're looking for. Yeah. Um, and the hork is like, yes, you know, I have caught an Andalite bandit, Vista 3 will give me praise. And um, Tobias is just like, oh, you must be new. <laughs> <laughs> Getting praise from Vista 3 would be like trying to stop a brush fire with a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the Horvizier picks up his cage and just kind of bolts, um, <laughs> just paying no heed to the fact that, you know, Tobias is just rattling around <laughs> inside this cage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, everyone, like, they're all very on guard. They're expecting, uh, the worst, clearly, like, they're, they're expecting mm-hmm. either the Animorphs to come in or something else, right? Yeah. Um, and something else does appear. Some human controllers with Draken Beams start firing at the hork Um Controller versus controller, the hork call them rebels. Um, and uh, there's a tussle. <laughs> uh, the humans don't Shouldn't do great. find it funny. Kind of do. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
the humans loose. Uh, after, you know, Tobias gets knocked around a lot through this process, to be clear. Um, he's, like, dangling from a hork blade, essentially. Uh, like, one of the bars is hooked on the blade. Um, and, mm-hmm. it, <laughs> you know, crashing against the floor, caving underneath a hork weight, so he's just, like, in this squished, too small cage. Um, and just, like, sliding across the floor. Uh, my frail injured body tumbled like a rag in the dryer. Um, and Tobias uh, definitely was good at English. I'm just saying this kid is yes. real good with oh, metaphor yes. and simile. Yes. Um, and, uh, the hork when whatever tussle happens, he can't see it very clearly, but there's clearly something happening. Um, but the hork win, because they're the ones that come to pick him up again. And then, four more feet, twice as large, gigantic and familiar, landed with a thunder thud. Rachel. Uh, the cavalry is here. Um, I love Rachel so much. She's um, great here. <laughs> Um, to be clear, when written well, Rachel is great everywhere. Mm-hmm. But Rachel literally, uh, literally getting to go mama bear protective of Tobias. Uh-huh. It's good shit. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is the stuff. See, I am not quite the connoisseur of her comfort that Danielle is, but I know good shit when I see it. And I'm <laughs> like, mm, yes, good. Give it to us. Yes, yes. Uh, Rachel tells Marco to get Tobias, but Marco is forcibly dragged away by another Horpagier. So Rachel we do get just... the fun detail about how the opposable thumb is a much overlooked digit, which is just uh-huh. very funny uh-huh. to me. Uh, and <laughs> Rachel uh basically just kind of pushes. His cage across the floor. Slides him along the line or the tiles or whatever it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Trying to get him just away from the fight. Um, uh, but they run into something. Human feet. And I love the detail. You know, Rachel's bare vision. She can't tell what it is. But she sniffs the air. And her bare smell, sense of smell is enough for her to identify who this is uh for tobias it is the glistening and sparkling of uh some of this person's fingers uh in the way that real flesh never do uh it's a prosthetic this is taylor um and rachel is ready to kill this woman (laughs) <laughs> yeah we approve we approve um and uh she basically just leaps right at it she doesn't really wait <laughs> she she's like oh you mm-hmm. you came back you you throw away the <laughs> the mercy that we gave you last time nah bitch mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rachel's sort of a one-strike policy. <laughs> it's just like, okay, 
Um, and so Rachel leaps to attack Taylor, um, but Taylor has a dragon beam and fires and puts just a huge hole in Rachel's flank, Mm. um, which basically incapacitates Rachel enough that she can't do anything to stop uh, Taylor, who is grabbing Tobias's cage with uh, her artificial hand. And we just... (sighs) I couldn't believe what was happening. My torturer had captured me again. No. The fingers of her real hand poked through the bars of the cage, threatening to touch me as she lifted the cage right up to her face. No! She didn't speak a word, but her icy stare said it all. Thought you'd seen the last of me, Andalite fool? Well, you thought wrong. Taylor straightened her pearly, plastic fingers. I knew what she was going to do. I'd known since the moment I recognized her in the shadows. I love surprises, she whispered, and without any further warning, snowy particles frothed from the fingertips of her prosthesis. Gas. She was gassing me just like the time she'd captured me under the grounds of the Sharing's new community center. In moments, I'd be paralyzed. The only difference was that she didn't realize I was the same Andalite she'd previously captured. I could only hope she didn't remember. Spoiler alert, she remembers. Mm-hmm. Um, he tries I'll... to... Mm-hmm. Go on. I'll, I can go. wait. My thought can wait. It can she wait! Tra- <laughs> <laughs> she tries to... Uh, he tries to acquire her in order to uh, buy himself just any time at all, really. Um, and he does acquire her, but of course it's not enough. Um, the trance is only momentary. Yeah. All I was going to say was um, I'm glad that uh, Ellen Giroux is back writing this because Taylor is a fantastic character. Mm-hmm. Like, she fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, like, a villain, an antagonist, she's incredibly well written. Mm-hmm. And there is so much... And she is great in this book. She is genuinely scary. And when you remember, like, Taylor's host is a 17-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I still find teenage girls scary, but I have my own <laughs> issues around that. Um, but she's given such weight by the narrative. And again, Tobias is A, smaller than her, and B, trauma makes things bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is such a compelling and interesting character. And I'd say it sucks that she's thrown her lot in with who she has mm-hmm. because she has the potential to be. She's more aware than Vista 3. She has her moments of like getting a little lost in the source, but is generally a little more grounded, at mm-hmm. least most of the time. And if working under a different Vissa, I could see her being even more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the gas that she knocks him out with this time um, is more than just a paralytic. It also has enough general anesthetic to knock him out completely. Um, uh, 
he tries to call out to Rachel and Jake, but if they hear him, they don't. If they answer, he doesn't hear. Um, why me? What had I done to deserve this? Foolish questions. Useless self-pity. I was a warrior. All I could do was look straight ahead, into the dismal depths of Taylor's mad, hypnotic eyes. In that moment, I saw clearly. I saw that I was just a blob of mud bobbing through the raging stream of her thoughts. The stream couldn't be stopped, and it would destroy me. It would break me apart. Again, incredible writing in this book. Like, mm -hmm. god dang. Yeah. It's... I, I was anticipating this, uh, but the punch in the gut that I felt when she showed up again and Tobias is just like, no. Like, mm -hmm. this cannot be happening again. Um, mm -hmm. And yet it does happen again. Like, give this poor bird a break. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, but he passes out and once again wakes up in a different place. Um, this time it's in some kind of kitchen uh, with <laughs> just Taylor is cooking tomato soup over the stove. Yeah, just heating up a can of soup, <laughs> as one does. You know. Um, and... Tobias is still in the cage, uh, but now there's six dragon beams surrounding the cage aimed at his head, clamped to the cage with with vices. Not high-tech mechanisms fresh off the York drawing board, but the kind of clamps you pick up at Ace Hardware. Um, we get a lot of these hints um, to a tailor that has fallen a lot. Um, in the York ranks, uh, she no longer has access to, you know, top research kind of pristine white laboratory D stuff. Um, mm -hmm. it's much more, uh, just kind of scrounging for things is, is the sense we get. Mm -hmm. Um, this girl and, is so smart. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Uh, he, recognizing that all of the dragon beams have sensors on them, he just freezes. He doesn't move. The thought of more torture set my bones knocking. I couldn't take any more. I started to tremble, uncontrollably. I watched the sensors with both minds, hawk and human. Each had been almost destroyed, and both parts of me remembered. The pain, the hopelessness. Impossible to escape. Red light blue light, agony, endless. Morph. I could morph into something small and crawl away, undetected, steal away. Do it, Tobias, do it. Morph, my friend, Taylor warned, her voice cold and confident, and the beams will fire automatically. I hadn't seen her there, sitting in a kitchen chair, mug in hand, sipping soup. I'd felt her, though. Her evil had a way of dominating the very nature of a room of coloring everything around her and stoking my fear. I couldn't escape. I never really thought I could. Not then, not now. Taylor was back, just as I guessed she would be. The computer controlling the dragon beams is sensitive to basic changes in shape. You cannot escape. Wait, 
that wasn't true. I could escape. I could morph. Morph and die. Yes, you could choose death, Taylor said, answering my thoughts. I've deliberately given you that option. She paused to take a slurp of soup, her eyes still focused on me. I looked at the kitchen and at the small, shoddily built, low-ceilinged structure. Something was definitely wrong with this picture. Choose death, she, she repeated casually, or listen to what I have to say. She rose, dropped her mug in the sink of the strange little kitchen, and returned to her seat. I have a deal for you, Andalite. Uh, and... Oh, Tobias.